0: This is Career Lab with Levi and Bobak, the podcast that features fascinating pathways to success and the people who have navigated their own journeys in this ever-changing and fast-paced modern economy. I'm Levi Maya, and our guest this week is Kelly Stevens. Kelly parlayed her career as a licensed marriage and family therapist into a full-time gig as the Private Practice Pro, a mental health influencer who provides guidance to other mental health professionals on using social media and technology to build their own practices find out if you have what it takes to leverage your experiences to become a specialty influencer on this edition of Career Lab with Levi and Babak.
1: Welcome to Career Lab with Levi and Babak. I'm Babak Babahanian from the Lighthouse Studio. We are so excited for today's show, Levi how are you? You look good in blue. Sharp. Thank you.
0: Yeah, This is one of my favorites. Um, pickleball. Are you... Thumbs up? Thumbs down? What do you think? Um, thumbs are, are up. I played once. I actually...
1: Elise bought me... My wife bought me a, a paddle and ball for Father's Day. I haven't used that yet, but I did play on a little vacation. Mm-hmm. I played once, and I barely had to move, and I felt like I exercised. So I think I'm in. It's like slow speed
0: tennis, right? You play with a like a wiffle ball. Yeah it's, yeah,
1: it's it's the, the racket's probably in between a uh, a ping pong paddle and a tennis racket. It's a stone racket, a pickleball racket. And then it is. It's like a little yellow wiffle ball. And yeah, I liked it. All right. Well, I'm, I'm in.
0: I, I like slow speed tennis. I, I, I like that idea. Tennis are is Are we going to have a pickleball player on the show? We should have a pickleball. <laughs> are there professional pickleball players? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll do that one week and then cornhole two weeks later. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we have an interesting guest tonight, someone who has found a unique way to um, parlay one career into an next. Kelly Stevens is a licensed marriage and family therapist, and her latest endeavor is providing online courses, uh, workbooks, and workshops in business development to mental health care professionals, leveraging her social media presence. She has developed multiple income streams, a proficiency that she now... Uh, in parts to fellow therapists. Kelly, Kelly remains committed to elevating clinical care while tackling burnout by teaching mental health professionals about effective business practices. Kelly, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. I, uh, I didn't know you were going to read it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, you didn't? You just thought that like I wanted I to know thought,
2: what
1: it was for prep?
2: Yeah, yeah, I thought maybe like it'd be stuck in a stuck in a paragraph somewhere. In a, What's it
1: know, like hearing, hearing it interview? back? Was it overwhelming?
2: It wasn't overwhelming, but I was like, oh, God. Uh, <laughs> I might have, like, toned it down a little bit, you know? As long as you
1: wrote it and not AI, then we're fine.
2: AI did not write it. <laughs> Although, like, ChatGPT in- has been interesting in the last uh, few months of everything I do. So I've been experimenting with it and using different AI and sort of things. So, Well, well you let's just jump foresh- into it. Yeah, yeah. we were
1: going to foreshadow that later, but yeah. since you brought it up. Us you guys what,
2: should have some AI people that come in and talk. That'd be great.
0: Well, we ask every guest how yeah. AI is impacting their profession. So tell us, like, what are you doing with AI? It sounds like it's, it's yeah. become a big part of what your workflow.
2: Yeah. So, okay. So it's kind of interesting. So I have like two hats, right? So I'm a therapist, number one. And like that's what my training is. And I really use no AI in the traditional therapy realm. And then I do a lot of social media content and online courses and workbooks and that sort of thing for therapists and teaching them how to open their own businesses. So in that sense, and in that area of my career, I use AI. So a few things, I feel like I've just been like dipping my toe in it. So I've used um, ChatGPT to help me write captions on Instagram. And usually the way I do it is I'll say like, I'll voice memo ChatGPT, I'll have it on my phone. And I'll send a voice memos that says like you know write an Instagram caption uh, from the perspective of you know and I'll say a bunch of different things and then you know keep it at this number of words, this hashtags, use these keywords, and about this topic, and then it'll make a caption. And then usually you know I would say it's like eighty percent of the way there, and then yeah. yeah. you know take it the rest of the way. But it's certainly way faster. I like to know. say
0: it's like having. Like a uh, a solid intern who's, yeah. you know, totally green to your field, but they're coming right. in and they're good at taking instruction. But if you leave them alone too long, they c- can get in trouble. Yeah,
2: 100%. <laughs> like, I don't think I could write my blog posts or anything, you know, but could it like sometimes, you know, wh- where I do find I use it sometimes is if I'm writing emails, <laughs> hopefully they're not listening, to this, but if I'm writing emails to like my team, the people that work with me, and I want to give feedback in maybe a nicer way than I put it, I'll I'll say, you know, here's my feedback I want to give to an employee who has this job and this role and this scope. And, you know, here's what it is. Make it more uh, professional and kind. And then I'll use it like that. <laughs> so, great. in kind of HR a little bit, you know, uh, and it, I feel like it'll, it's good for that in, in the sense of like giving emails. A little bit more of a flair and then there's other programs i've looked into so like there's one called descript which i haven't used that much but i've been trying to use which is basically like it looks at your videos and writes the captions for videos and podcasts and things um so i've been kind of playing around in that but i haven't used it and then um i use something called many chat i don't know if you guys have seen that but like no. it's when people on social media have the they say like comment the word link in the thing and we'll send you the Amazon link and it automatically sends them the Amazon link. I have used. Oh, okay. I don't know if that's AI so much as automation. It's like
0: a bot, right? It's just kind of yeah. doing stuff based off of uh, yeah. prompts and whatnot. So it's, yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah. what, let's back up a little bit. What inspired yeah. you to become a therapist?
2: Oh gosh. Okay. So That, and, you know, it's funny because I feel like therapy is, like, my first career in a way. Um, What inspired me? I feel like I have, like, the very typical therapist story, which nobody wants to admit, right? Like, I have my own mental health issues, my family has their own, and, like, you know, I went to therapy and, like, probably decided to be a therapist in, like, high school because... Probably had to work on some of my own shit, <laughs> right? More or less, you know. And uh, I went straight through, so like from undergrad, I was a psychology major, and then I went straight through to my master's. So really, like, kind of knew that this was what I want to do, and then like went and did it. It was licensed by the time I was like 23 or something. It was just like, this is what I'm gonna do for the rest of my life. Like, took a turn, but um, it's I don't fun. Know.
1: It's funny how you say that. That's probably a very common reason as to why people become therapists. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I'm I'm in therapy and yeah. I, I remember when I first went the first, I don't know, two or three sessions, I thought it was so great. I started calling my friends and telling them that they needed to be in therapy. <laughs> and like, you know, I was like <laughs> Literally on the verge yeah. of turning thirty, I was, you know, right. and it was a young thirty. I was right. very kind of just naive and ignorant, right. and and just like this, this is amazing. Like I can just right. talk about things, and I feel better afterwards.
2: You're like a therapy evangelist, or something. Yeah, you know? yeah. I feel like a lot of people go. I mean, I feel like I've gone through that with with everything. I'm like the queen of that for everything I do, you know. But, um, but yeah, I think that that's a pretty common experience.
1: <laughs> so, so once you kind of felt okay, this is what I want to do. You know, I know you, you just touched on it. What was it like going through that kind of educational path of, of you know, for those folks who may be interested of knowing, like, okay, here's yeah. here's what it takes to actually get to, to start?
2: Yeah, okay. So that's a question that's interesting. I get a lot. And I actually teach some adjunct classes in Pepperdine's program. So I, I feel like I could go, like, really detailed or really broad. So we're going to go with broad. <laughs> um, so essentially, to become a licensed therapist in, this, in the States, you need one of a few degrees so there are some you could either have a doctorate level degree or a master's level degree Um, and in terms of being like a practicing clinician who sees clients in their office um, you can have either a master's or a doctorate Uh, the doctorate comes into play when you want to do research or you want to be maybe a tenure-track professor or if you want to do certain types of assessments Um, so like if you want to test for adhd or like certain like uh neuropsych assessments and that sort of thing so essentially you need a bachelor's and then you need to either get a master's or a phd or a, or what's called a PsyD, which is like a clinical doctorate and then in most states you need to do something called licensing hours which is really similar to um doing like residency as a doctor you do a certain number of hours you have to complete and they're supervised and you have a mentor and every state is really different. So there are some states that take, you know, only a few hundred hours. And then here in California, where we all are, it's like 3000 hours. So it ends up usually taking people anywhere from like a year and a half to five years after graduation from their master's, depending on, you know, how quickly they're working and that sort of thing. And then from there, you're, you're kind of there. I mean, you have a license, but you Mm -hmm. have to then build a career, right?
1: You mentioned it's a common question you get from, from students. What's yeah. the most common question that you get from your students? Does anything so, pop out?
2: <laughs> yeah. So I like, I teach in the master's program. So by the time they get to me, they've already decided to be a therapist. And you know, the biggest one I get is, is usually just financial. Like how am I gonna pay for school and then have enough money to live after school? Cause like, For therapists, there's this kind of big time, and I think for for most people, where you've graduated from your degree and then you you still have to start at an entry-level job, but you have all these, you know, (laughs) loans. And so almost always people want to talk about the loans and what they're going to do and how they're going to survive getting licensing hours and being low-paid while paying their loans. What do you tell them? (laughs) (laughs) I mean – yeah. The look says it all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, what month are we filming this? Right, August of 2023. Um, You know, I tell people that it's not usually. I usually try to to go with a personal experience of like how I did it because I I had student loans for my masters and and certainly they were not. I went to Pepperdine, so they were not small because Pepperdine's expensive. Um, And I tell them like during those early years, I worked six days a week. I worked two jobs, like. I don't really sugarcoat how challenging it was, but I do, you know, talk a lot about how you have to kind of reach kind of two years into your professional career where you're starting to have some leadership roles, or maybe you've opened your own practice, or, you know, and if you get to that point, you're fine. You know, you're going to pay off your loans. Um, but those first couple years, I do talk about like kind of the grind of it. And, I don't just say like, "Oh, it's going to be fine." You know, I'll say like, "You probably are going to need more than one job, initially."
0: And and um, tell us what, what was your first job? What 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 did ever? you do to, to pay back those loans? In my whole
2: life? Well, yeah. Oh, now oh, oh. that
0: you said it, yeah. yeah. Now you got to tell yeah. us. Both. Now you got to tell us what it was. Yeah. Now both. You know, yeah, I... first your first you know j- paid job, and then your first job as a therapist.
2: Okay, so I don't maybe I don't think you know the answer to this, but it's actually kind of an interesting one. So my, my first paid job. Uh, I had, like, boring jobs. Not boring jobs, but I worked at the farmer's market. I worked at a deli. Like, I worked at Montecito Deli. They're still there um, in high school. but And then I worked at the farmer's market. But um, to pay for graduate school, I actually owned a wedding photography business. So I tried to think to myself, like, what can I do that's only one day a week um, that will pay me a significant amount of money on that one day? and that's kind of flexible so i shot weddings and this was like pre-instagram pre-social media wedding content so like you know if i was doing this now i would you know starve essentially like but (laughs) i i did that and that paid for a huge chunk of it and then i also worked um in rehabs so like in malibu there are all these like luxury rehabs um and so i would work in those from maybe like five to 11 at night after school and after my normal job and you they're these beautiful like if you've watched like any of the rehab reality shows on tv they have like professional chefs and so i would get dinner and like you know i wasn't getting paid very well but i was being fed and i was in my 20s so um those were my two kind of side hustles And then during the day, I would get my licensing hours uh, for those kind of couple years after graduate school. And I I did get paid to do those, which nowadays most people do, but at the time when I was in school, you still weren't like legally required to pay people to do that.
0: Yeah. Now you can't really so, have unpaid internships. Right. TV uh-huh. and, and TV news in particular was famous for unpaid <laughs> internships. Yeah. And and then totally. your first job was almost unpaid. So <laughs>
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, my like first professional job was still like $16 an hour, which is crazy <laughs> to think about. Um, but yeah, i was paid so in that sense i was lucky but yeah i for sure was in the era of unpaid internships and did plenty of them you know
0: and and then your first gig as a uh professional clinician
2: i was so my first gig as a professional clinician so i was unlicensed so you work those like two years unlicensed and my first one i was paid like 16 dollars an hour and i stayed for like three months because like if you live in west los angeles sixteen dollars an hour even if you're working full-time doesn't pay your rent let alone your student loans you know so i quickly transitioned to jobs and made more money um but in the beginning it was not easy
1: and then after being unlicensed you said it's two years right and then at that mm-hmm. point you're licensed and then what how does your path move forward at that point
2: so it's interesting you know there's a lot of different settings where mental health treatment is offered right so you know we might think of like tv treatment which is like traditional private practice right and then there's like hospitals so sometimes people and then there's also something called like agency work which is community agencies in your city you know so like santa barbara drug and alcohol abuse association or whatever you want to think about um and that sort of thing and then There are also other settings, but I would say like most people kind of choose one of those paths or maybe they'll work in like a group private practice. Um, And what I actually chose to do was one of my professors had a group practice where I did my licensing hours and then I had this wedding photography business and both of my parents are entrepreneurs. So my bosses ended up um, opening this kind of uh intensive outpatient big group practice there were like 30 of us and i saw teenagers that's like always been my specialty so you know teenagers come after school right they don't come in the morning usually to therapy so from about nine to two every day they hired me to do the marketing for the group and then uh in the evening i would see my clients and so because i had that marketing role i actually got paid more for that because i was just like a marketing professional i wasn't getting licensing hours and then once i got licensed i transitioned into doing more clinical work because at the point when you get licensed most companies you work for give you a pretty significant raise like you know you go from 30 40 bucks an hour to like a normal therapist rate of 100 to 200 an hour so um or at that time now it's probably more than that um so I don't know if that answered your question.
0: But. Yeah. And then what's that transition that you worked for a number of years as a, uh, as a therapist and now you've mm-hmm. transitioned. So tell us a little bit about that transition.
2: Yeah. This is like came out of left field, um, and has been so fun. Uh, so I, like I said, I did, I was the marketing, I ended up getting promoted. I was the marketing director for this treatment center and, um, was living in Los Angeles, my husband is a psychiatrist and was throughout this whole process going through medical school and residency and that sort of thing and we were moving and it was crazy. And um, I started doing some like private consulting work for treatment centers. So for these kind of residential rehabs, uh, this was at the beginning of Obamacare when like insurance was pumping tons of money into mental health treatment. And it was like the rise of these big rehab facilities. Um, and I started doing some consulting for companies on like how to grow and scale their client base. And um, I did that. And then I, Sam got a job in Santa Barbara and I was doing more marketing. Like I still had a private practice in the evenings. I would see teenagers, but I like loved the marketing and was still doing a lot of that. And then Sam gets a job in Santa Barbara and we decide like, we're gonna have a baby. And I was like, okay, I'm taking a year off, which was like a little crazy at the time. Um, like I went from working a lot of hours a week to like no hours. And then, uh, my son was born in March of 2020. So I promise I'm getting you to my answer. So, uh, I went from what like would have been probably like, you know, an eight to nine month maternity leave and then a reopening of a private practice and all that all of a sudden was like, no child's care for ever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so at first I went back to teaching at Pepperdine at, at night, so I would teach in their night program and then I would see online, my client literally. online. Yeah, yeah. I did, mm-hmm. like didn't control down there because they were all online. Right. right? Yeah. It was still pandemic. And then I was still doing some consulting online in the evening and my babysitter, who I share with Levi, Claire. <laughs> was like, I don't, we were having a conversation one day and she was like, you should put this on Instagram because she could hear me talking. Like, she could hear me on consulting calls sometimes. Oh, okay. And, um, she's like, So we owe this to Claire? We owe, I owe my whole life to Claire. (laughs) Claire Claire's like. Wow. You're
1: gonna have to have her on the show. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) I've told her this story back and she's like, I don't even remember that. (laughs)
0: Um,
2: but I was like, at the time, I was stuck at home. I was only working at night when Sam was off. And, um, teaching And I was like, I love teaching. I've always like taught one or two classes, but I wasn't going to go back and, and only teach. Like, first of all, the what you get paid as an adjunct professor is like not going to pay your mortgage usually. Um, and so I was looking at all of these parenting classes online, you know, so you see a lot of these like mommy influencers on TikTok and Instagram and that sort of thing. And uh, I knew one of them. So I knew, um, or I had a friend who was the videographer for this big mommy influencer in the uh, baby sleep space. Mm-hmm. And in 2022, she did like $62 million in sales on a course teaching babies how to sleep. And i was like holy shit you know like i mean grit or in 2020 so like granted everyone was home in 2020 online education was like a huge thing and they wanted and their
0: babies to be sleeping because people they, wanted they the babies. no it's one like, else to watch them and
2: everyone was on their phones yeah. you know so it was like so and therapists historically hadn't been on social media a lot you know we're taught in school to like really really not be on social media but all of a sudden ever there was like the tick came on Seen in a bigger way and Instagram was already huge and so all of a sudden you saw or I saw this like rise of the TikTok Instagram therapist um and so I just started filming content for that um and I thought like well if these like moms mommy educators who are talking about parenting and sleep and whatever can do that and can monetize their content and I was like I don't see a reason why I can't do that and so I was home and I had nothing else to do. I think I like m- one of my first followers was Levi. <laughs> um, <laughs> and
0: I think you said you don't have to follow me. And I was, yeah, oh, I was like, I, don't do it.
2: <laughs> I still like to this day, like don't always tell like people who I actually know. Cause you know, my, all of my content is geared toward therapists. Right. Right. Um, and so, yeah, so it, it was just a wild time. Cause I grew really quickly mm-hmm. more specifically on Instagram. Um, And I'm on the other platforms, but Instagram's kind of my main platform. Um, And during that time, I created, like, my first online product, which was a course, um, which I don't always suggest starting with now, but, like, that's what I started with. And I gave myself, like, a little runway, you know, gave myself a loan, and then um, was like, okay, I have a year to, like, pay this back, essentially. Mm -hmm. And and did. And that was great. So it's been fun to be in the on—so now— I work almost fully in teaching therapists how to open private practices, which is essentially what I was doing in that marketing role um, for about five years prior. So sometimes people are like, oh, you just started doing this. And I'm like, no, actually, like, I just used to do this, but not on the internet.
1: Right. You know, when you were doing it on the internet, when did you realize, I think I have something here? Was there one moment? Or was it a certain, you know, a benchmark that you were trying to hit? When did you know?
2: Yeah, no, there definitely was. So I launched my first course in, like, March of, two, maybe two Mar- two years ago. Gosh, I can't remember now. It's been about two years. And I the first week I was like, I'm going to sell, my goal was like, I'm going to sell, like, 30 courses, you know? And I did it. Like, the launch w- sucked. Like, I did not sell what I expected. And I was like, well, shit, you know, like, I had, basically it took me about like 30,000 to like build a whole online platform and everything. And I was like, I got to at least pay back that 30,000 to myself. And so I was like, well, I'm in this until I pay that back. So, and I didn't even get close on the first launch. And so I thought, well, like uh, I'm you know, like I'm not going to be able to do this. And then I I like honest to god, do not know what happened, but I, at about 3 months in, we just started selling. Like it was selling the same product with the same messaging, but it just took a while. You know I mean? Search engine optimization takes a while. Content building takes a while. And I went from about 10,000 followers on Instagram to about 30,000. Like really, that jump came really quickly. And with that jump came a lot more sales. Um, And then I started to kind of like expand my platforms. I had a podcast. I got on TikTok and some other things. I hired a team member to help me, so it wasn't just me and just my ideas all the time, which was huge. Um, and she had a lot of good feedback and a lot of like harsh feedback, like we need to film videos this way, and you know this is how the content. Like I wasn't great at I was I felt like I was really good at getting followers, but not good at getting them to buy for me. Mm-hmm. And so I needed. That push to like sell to people, which you know, none of us like want to do, or at least right. I don't always want to do that. Um, and then we started really selling, and that's when I was like, Holy shit, like this is a job, you know? Because uh, before that, I was just like, I'm home and it's COVID, and I think I could do it, but like, I don't know. Um, and then once you kind of hit a benchmark, other companies start to approach you
0: too, you know? Do you, do you miss one-on-one patient interaction, and do you think it's something that you would go back to?
2: So I still do it. Um, I carry a small caseload. I actually just had my last session last week because I'm having a baby any day. Week it could happen right now. <laughs> uh, we were
0: we were so. joking before the show that we were going to hang around and, and it, maybe it would happen tonight if we yeah right? on the like, on the, uh, on yes. the call longer. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's uh it's coming. So um so I do still see some clients and I think I always will. You know I I don't miss seeing like 30 clients a week cause I really like having time with my family and I like being able to do creative things. And it's definitely a different part of my brain. Um, but it, because I teach therapists how to open private practices, I think it would, it might be unwise for me to like step away from having completely my practice. right. Yeah. Right. So what, I keep a small practice.
1: What advice would you give to someone who's thinking about a career in therapy?
2: That's a good question.
1: Like, if, there, if there's something that, you know, you wish you knew.
2: I would say, you, you know, now that you wish. Go you knew to your own starting. therapy. If you haven't been to therapy, don't be a therapist. Like, if you <laughs> haven't really taken some time to, like, work on your own shit and really think, like, you know, what? Do, why am I doing this? Like, do I yeah. just want to save people? Like, do I want to, like, help people? Am I trying to help me? Because, like, being a therapist is incredible. I mean, it's absolutely incredible i like would not change it at all and you really do get tools to help people Mm -hmm. right so like people think it's like this depressing hopeless job but like actually it's not really because you get a lot of tools and skills that help people at some of the worst times in their lives but the amount of emotional energy it takes from you to do that all day long you have to have some sense that that's what you want for your life and I think until you go to your own therapy, or at least until you like are used to sitting face to face with seven or eight people all day, every day, uh, I would suggest doing that first before making the decision. Cause I see people not do that and then wonder why they're so tired, you know,
1: or realize they need therapy themselves mid session of giving someone else therapy.
2: Oh yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, and hopefully they do. you know, like hopefully all therapy, like, you're encouraged really to like go to your own therapist continuously throughout your career, you know, at different times. But yeah, I mean that, that comes up that they talk about, like we talk about that in school a lot. Like a client will say something and you're like, oh yeah, I I probably need to work on that. You know, it's like a cardiologist needs to go on a run, you know, (laughs) same, same sort of
0: thing. I remember my dad had a cardiologist who smoked, so I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) One of the recurring themes that Comes up often with some of our guests is this idea of uh, making lemons from lemonade or Uh using something that's negative to your advantage. It sounds like the pandemic, in a way, was something that you used to your advantage. Yeah. Uh, What are other major setbacks that you've faced in your career that you feel like you successfully used to your advantage?
2: You know, I think the biggest one is like for me is motherhood, and I hate to describe it as a setback, but in many ways it is. You know, I mean, you go from having like so much time and like, I definitely was like a mega workaholic. I love what I do. So I'd, you know, be at home on the couch watching TV in the evening working on something um, to having to be really present when you get home. And um, in so many ways, it forced me to be so much more efficient with like my career and what I, like to be more clear on like what was background noise or what I was doing because I thought I should do it versus what was actually going to get me to where I wanted to go, okay. you know? Um, so parenthood is yeah. <laughs> probably I said- my biggest one.
0: Did I say making lemons from lemonade? I think I'm, I don't know what I Yeah. You know what I meant. We right?
2: knew what you meant. You knew what I meant. I get meant. it. Yeah, I mean,
0: 100%. It was so insignificant, your lemonade. error, that I didn't even notice yeah. it until you brought it up. Uh, Chad well, GBT would notice side. it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that's No, that's that's interesting that you said motherhood. Um, you know, it's, uh, I was thinking earlier, early on when you said, you know, you, 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 face these challenges and then of course you're trying to sleep train a child during the pandemic. Uh You're turning to other um you know to to influencers and and outsiders who are who've got these courses and all of a sudden this problem of yours becomes you see an opportunity to to help other people through the media which is which is cool. I like it. Oh
2: yeah totally. I mean Mm -hmm. I think like I don't know like I'm in like millennial land, you know I'm like in my thirties and I think one thing i appreciate about social media is that like forced me to evolve with the technology mm-hmm. and i like and i see that even now with ai is where we started in this episode or other things that i think i really want to be cognizant as i get older to evolve with what the technology brings but um, on the flip
0: side of that you know, we hear over and over again about how social media is bad especially for right. the, the folks that you started out working for with, kids young young, yeah. young girls right yeah so, I mean, how do we balance that? How do we avoid the dangers and take advantage of only the good things about it?
2: Yeah. So, uh, in terms of like what I would expose my children to versus what I use social media for, uh, obviously, like, or I guess not so obviously, it would be really different. And like what I would tell parents as a therapist versus what I use, you know, I use it as like a business development tool. And I, when I talk to teenagers, I try to talk about it. Like it's a tool, you know, and what, and brands are trying to sell to you or, um, you know, like you have to see it for what it is, but certainly a lot of the, I went to a very interesting conference recently about, it was called like, um, technology, social media, and the modern family. And in the morning, the presenters talked about the benefits of technology on the modern family structure. And then in the afternoon sessions were what the detriments were. And, um, I left feeling like, well... I was going to
1: say, they put that at the end of the day. (laughs) I thought maybe they'd flip that. Right.
2: But but really, like, I didn't leave feeling like one way or the other, you know? I certainly would like to wait as long as humanly possible to give my children a smartphone. Right. Um, You know, and if you... I've, like, read the the articles that say, you know, like, if you look at, like, the top people at different tech companies, none of their kids had access to the internet very early. Yeah. Um, So... Yeah. But in terms of, you know, I think one thing that I taught or I heard in this seminar, um, was a speaker talking about like technology literacy of kids and that they're going to compete in a really different workforce than we did. And, you know, that they do in some ways have to be ready to compete in that workforce. And so there's a balance there. You can't like not expose them at all because, you know, then they don't know how to use technology. So, um, I don't know. I think it's like any parenting thing, right? Like you teach your kid to be responsible with the world and... I don't know. You guys have older kids than me. No, it is. <laughs> I'm a still pregnant. It, it's hard. It, it, <laughs>
0: it's a challenge. I think um, it's hard. The Apple Watch has turned out to be a good surrogate for mm-hmm. a phone, especially for a little ones sending yeah. them off to camp, and you're kind yeah. of worried about the world. And you like the idea of being able to, you know, if they need something, right. they can get a hold of you. If they get lost, you can find them. Right. But they're not distracted by it. It's not. It doesn't have right. all that stuff on it. So I mean, right. yeah, yeah, there's ways to balance things, but yeah, yeah, it's a perpetual challenge, right? That we have and, and of course, what we think their challenge is going to be probably isn't going to be very different uh, than what totally. their actual challenge 100%. is going to be. So we're preparing them for this you know, <laughs> right. danger, and, and over here lurks something else 100%. that we, right. we, we don't know. So we can't protect them from everything.
2: I agree. Yeah. I mean, and I hope, you know, all our kids are around the little kid age now, right? Like, I think the parent generation right before us that had teenagers and college students right now, in some ways, got so blindsided by Mm -hmm. social media and technology. We've had a few years of watching teenagers go through this. So my hope is that by the time our kids get older, there's, you know, some better parental restrictions. There's better other parents who have, you know, some literacy around, well, what do we want our kids to do? You know, I don't know. I
0: think we even even underestimate the little ones coming up now who are looking at their you know, older kids in there in high school and in college, right. they know them, they see what their challenges are and that they, yeah. they're trying to navigate the world, learning from the mistakes of people who've yeah. gone just before them. So, right. Yeah. 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 I mean, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Kelly, thank you so much. Yeah. this was on. fun. Yeah. So was, it was a lot of fun. If you're a therapist or even if you're just interested in seeing what Kelly does, her website is theprivatepracticepro.com. Um you can find her on Instagram, TikTok, threads. You're on threads?
2: Threads. Yeah, man. Yeah, like that's I still said, you keep up. It was so threads hot. Threads is new.
0: It was so hot day one. <laughs> no, it's so hot day one, and then what happened? That's and, a whole other episode, my thoughts uh, on threads. And on YouTube at the private practice pro. Thanks so much for being here with us. Appreciate it.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: All right. Well, um, thank you for being with us on this journey for this episode of Career Lab with Levi and Bobak. The show is available as an audio podcast on major platforms like Apple, Google Podcasts and Spotify. Yeah, if you like
1: what we're doing, visit careerlabpodcast.com to like and subscribe to us on YouTube and get notifications of new shows as soon as they drop.
0: And we'll see you next time.